0: Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams.
1: Hey friends, welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I am so excited to introduce my new friend, Miss Gabe Cox. Gabe and I met one another through our Lemonade Legend author series that we are both participating in. Coming up in February, Miss Gabe, Gabe is a author and podcaster and coach and amazing mompreneur and has a wonderful story that she's going to be sharing with us today. So Gabe, welcome to our show. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here and to get to chat with you again. Absolutely. So Gabe is Zooming in from Colorado, her new home. And Gabe, I would just love to start by having you give us our, some of your backstory and some of maybe one one challenge that really, really you hit you know, got hit strongly with that helped you move into the role that you're playing now
0: and helping others? Sure. So my backstory actually goes back quite a ways. It's weird to say, but I think I'm kind of like 15 to 20 years out of high school and college, but that's crazy. But it started probably in high school, but I don't know when exactly, but I was just having these feelings and uh, emotions that I couldn't quite control. And I didn't understand at all. And I know in the teenage years, we have a lot of things going on. We're trying to figure out who we are, trying to fit in, doing all these things, but it wasn't that. It was something deeper. And I remember I kind of, kind of hinted at it with my mom and she had kind of thrown, pushed it aside and said it was the blues. You know, it'll go away. It's the blues. So obviously she didn't know exactly what I was dealing with. I, did, I wasn't very open with it. I feel like a lot of times our stories, we think we're the only ones struggling with it. So we just kind of box it in. And so that's what I did. And I moved on to college that, you know, I'm, I traveled all across the country. So I went from Minnesota to Texas to college. Cause I was thinking I'll, I'll start fresh. This'll be great. I'll meet new friends, new, no one really when I went and these feelings just kept persisting. And they were just these helpless thoughts and hopelessness. And honestly, on the outside, if you looked at me, you would have said, she's not struggling with anything. She is you know, popular or social. She's cute. She has tons of friends, whatever it is. It's seemingly successful by the world's standards. And because of that, I felt I had all these friends, but I still felt so alone because I was alone in what I was feeling. And it, it came to a culmination, you know, there, I took, I tried to take control in a lot of different ways. Uh, a lot of young women struggle with these things and I took control by exercising too much and by almost moving into an eating disorder, I didn't go full blown, but I would go a couple of days without eating or when I was stressed, I would binge, you know? And so I just felt like that was a way to control what I was dealing with. And it came to a culmination, my junior year of college, where I got to this point that I decided to take control by cutting myself. And again, something that I never would have imagined, but that was the pain of cutting myself took the pain away that I was feeling inside. So it was kind of like a new control that I could have. And then all of a sudden, all these thoughts came into my head about that life wasn't worth living. And that was something that hit me hard because I grew up as a Christian. I have a really deep faith. And I know we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but but I was thinking "I, I shouldn't be dealing with these things. I was getting guilt because I was a Christian. I shouldn't be dealing with these things. I had told myself I would never have thoughts like this. But the more you sink into that, the harder it is to get out. And those thoughts, even though I didn't think I would ever do anything about them, they were very real. And that's mm-hmm. when I knew this wasn't just the blues and thank goodness, thank God that I did reach out and get help mm-hmm. when I needed it most. And I was diagnosed with a really deep depression and anxiety and ADHD, and it was a long journey, but that was, I mean, that How old pivotal you moment.
1: That you came out of I, I,
0: I was 20-ish, I think I was okay. 20, when kind of in that, you know, the end of college, And wondering, I mean, really, when you get that deep, you wonder if things will ever be normal again. And you don't understand what normal is because you've been in years of this. Um, And so I didn't know what normal, I mean, I didn't sleep. I hardly slept and different things like that. So it was, it was definitely a journey and I learned a lot through it. But the biggest thing that my biggest takeaway was my faith was what was important. And once I learned who I was, through Christ, once I really understood whose I was, that was the culmination of what helped pick me up and get me to the spot where now I can use it. I feel like God, I don't think God always gives us the bad. Like sometimes he does discipline his children, but he uses our struggle to become our message if we let him. And if we let him, yeah. And I think just the fact that We have to be willing to be used and we have to be willing to be vulnerable because this is, I mean, I think I don't hear these stories very often because Mm -hmm. we box them in and we don't share them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You and I spoke about that our first session, I started binging and purging in college. And what do you think it is and what, what work have you done in that community, perhaps that is creating that habit for young women, especially. Why do you,
0: what, what do you think's going on? I honestly think it's the cultural message. It's mm-hmm. the message that you need to be this skinny. You need to be this pretty. If, if you only have this, then you will be happy. If you know, it's all about it working on ourselves, really like we're never perfect and we're never good enough. And It's just that I think that cultural message and the cultural message of you should feel worthy, you should feel deserving, you should feel all these things and the self-love. But honestly, I think the culture has it backward in a way because we really aren't good enough. We Mm -hmm. really are not (laughs) worthy or deserving because we all, I mean, no one's perfect and we never will be. We can strive for excellence. I always say strive for excellence but remember, perfection is not an option.
1: <laughs> right, right. There's only yeah. one that was perfect, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And that's the thing. We need to know where we find our worthiness and where yeah. we find our enoughness. And we're not strong enough to do things on our own, right? And we're not you know, capable. And that's why God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, because he wants to use those who seem like they could never do it. Because we can, but with him, we can. And I think that message of finding it inside yourself and finding who you really are, it's, you're never going to get there unless you add who you are in Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us about, so you, you got to that point where you were diagnosed and now talk to us about how you how you made that journey out of that depression and anxiety into the place where you are literally helping others do the same now.
0: Yeah, it was, it was a long, hard journey. I would say this was my biggest defining moment in my life so far. And I think it was just because it was so pivotal because it could have gone many different directions. But because I reached out for help, and actually what was interesting, I called the mental health services on campus, and it was right before Christmas. And they had told me, we don't take anyone before break. And I just sobbed. <laughs> like it was, right. just, I was so at that point where I just felt like there was nothing to live for. And the lady on the phone was the wisest woman ever. And she said, you need to come in right now. And that's how my journey started. So I went in there, they got the diagnosis and they started me on medication, which I did have, I struggled with that too, thinking, well, God's my healer or whatever. And it's like, why I shouldn't have to take medication. I don't want to be on it forever. And all these things. So those thoughts came in. And I think sometimes that's such a
1: battle, I think for us as Christians, because at the same time, God created the people that created these medications as well, which it's, it's a tough one. I know
0: sometimes you need something to take the edge off though. I agree. Well, and he created medicine. He Mm -hmm. created that. That is a healing, right? And the doctors are wise. And so yeah. it's okay to, if you are struggling with that, I mean, it's really hard to get out of it by yourself. And if you're not ready and you're not strong enough and you don't have, you know, you need that, you need that medication to take that edge off. And so I did get on it. And honestly, the medication was a lifesaver. I yeah. I felt myself changing almost immediately. We did have to figure out what worked and there were some trial and errors in that, but I was sleeping better I was feeling better. I could wrap my mind. I mean, I was so unfocused and so. But that probably has the ADHD. I probably still have. (laughs) I'm so unfocused still, but but I was just not able to. I mean, I had all these thoughts in my head going, 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 going. I could not like, just pull them and figure out what was really going on. And so, Uh because of the medication, I was able to go on a personal development journey with God to understand and change the way I thought. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest pivotal things.
1: One of the things that just struck me. So my, my son is my oldest is 20 and he's in, he's in school. And I, I just thought as a mom, you want to know what's going on with your kids. So I'm curious. So you went to this counselor. Mm -hmm. So did you, did you share with your folks when you went home for Christmas or, or how, how has that gone?
0: We, we are, we are a really close knit family and I feel mm-hmm. like we've gotten closer over the years, but okay. when I was in high school, we didn't have a good relationship. And when okay. I was in college, I was very independent. Mm-hmm. And so that, I feel like our relationship got better when we had kids. Like when I got Is married. It's not true. It always okay. happens. It happens. And then I a look lot. and I'm like, you never let me do that. And they were, you know, <laughs> spoil you I'm like, wait a second, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. But yeah. Yeah. But I do cherish, I know that they sacrificed so much for me. And now I look back and go, wow, I was not the nicest kid, you know, in my rebel years or whatever. But so I did mention it to them, but that's pretty much where we left it. That's kind of how we used to of. You kind of, you had your adult hat
1: on and you were taking care of this yourself.
0: Yeah. 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 And my, my parents are older. They're in an older generation. So we skipped a generation. So there's kind of a generation in between us, really. So okay. just the old school way of we you didn't really have these conversations. So yeah, it was just we're
1: good. Did you did you have siblings in between you that that you could share with, or are you are you an only child?
0: I have two older brothers.
1: Oh, it's okay, friends. We're it works, and back. how you become really close.
0: But oh, we we skipped out a minute. Tell tell us about your brothers. Oh, okay, sorry. So my I have two older brothers. I wasn't really close with my oldest. It took a while to build that relationship. Kind of like it, our family, like I said, we are really tight-knit now. Yeah. I was almost best friends with my, the middle, my older, my second older brother or whatever mm-hmm. I want to say, but we didn't really share a lot of that. Yeah, so boys, boys aren't great at sharing, no. you know, tough
1: stuff either, <laughs> yeah, no. especially with their little sister. Right. <laughs> uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, no, But what would you say? Cause you know, I really want to, I think there's a lot of moms out there or young, young women that are battling. And what, what would you say perhaps about maybe some signs that people, you know, parents could have that their kids in trouble, that they need some help, you know, were there signs that we could be
0: watching for? Honestly, I hit it really well. Okay. I, but I hit it by being busy. I was yeah. involved in everything. Uh, I think the biggest sign for me, if you knew me well, is that I would, you could find me running in the morning. I would go lift weights in the afternoon and I'd go pay pickup basketball in the nights. Like literally if I wasn't in class, I was working out. Right. Which I'm athletic. So, I mean, a lot of people just didn't think anything about it, but to me, I mean, that was, that was a sign. So mm-hmm. a sign of, is what are they putting, are they immersing themselves into something a little too much?
1: Or yeah, yeah.
0: I think busyness is a sign when people are adding and adding and adding to their schedules. It's not taking something hours, away. Yeah. Things. I think there's a reason for that. And it could be not feeling fulfilled or having those thoughts of like, I am i don't know if I'm worthy or different things. and And it starts there. And if we don't Uh control those thoughts, they can seep into being more and deeper. So I think those, and then the other thing, especially for younger kids, like teens for parents is making sure that we're open and honest and having these conversations. So if you see that they're shut off and they're not talking, there might be a reason. And there are the warning signs don't, even if you think everything's okay listen to that still small voice because that voice is what's going to really signal to you that there's a red flag.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's talk about our kiddos because you have an amazing way of helping women break through their mental barriers to achieve their goals and really find that balance between being a mom but still pursuing your dreams. So let's talk about how did you make that transition You're a mom of three busy boys. I know that are athletes themselves, (laughs) which I know that schedule can be crazy,
0: but let's talk about that transition for you. So I think because, and, and in high school and college, when I was adding, adding, adding to my schedule, I kept doing that. Like that never went away until I had another breaking point and decided My life needed to simplify, but I always thought achievement meant being busy. Achievement meant you have to always be doing something toward your goal and you always have to be striving and kind of forgetting that there is a period where you kind of actually need rest and you can simplify. And that's one of my messages that I love to share with women is that you can simplify your life to be almost extra simple and still be able to go after a goal and be present for your family. And I think that they're actually intertwined. Your goal and your family is not two separate things because your kids are watching you. And that was one of my biggest takeaways is that my kids do not do what I say, they do what I do. So it's, they are watching me to understand, I'm their example to understand what it means to, win and what it means to succeed or what it means to even adult, right? And so they are picking up. I mean, I hear them say things. I'm like, where in the world did you hear that? And then I have to put my foot in my mouth because I'm like, oh, they got that bad habit from me, right? And so it's it's really about drawing both of those together and bringing them in on your goal because the cool thing about that is, one, then you can be present because you're sharing with them about what you're doing and you're doing it with them. Mm -hmm. And it helps them to see the step-by-step process that it takes to be a goal achiever. But it also is a victory for them when you hit that goal. It becomes a family victory and a family thing. And we all get to celebrate it together. And the other um, aspect of that is that I don't believe that our visions, our goals, our, our callings or whatever it is, I think God gave us a specific calling with our gifts and it, we could use it in a different way. It doesn't mean okay, you can only do it by writing books. That's your only calling. No, I don't think that's what that means. It means that yeah. he's using the specific giftings that he gave you to fulfill his mission for you. But that calling is not separate of your family. That mm-hmm. calling needs to coincide. Your vision coincides, and it needs to become a family vision. I love that. Yeah. So,
1: so do you take people on a journey of of really creating that family vision?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite things is to help develop a dream mission statement or a goal mission statement where we break it up, down and we go, okay, so what is it that you want to work toward? Why do you feel like you're being called to this? What mm-hmm. would it do for you and your family? What's your deep why? And we create just a mission statement with it. And we've done family mission statements before too, because there's we've always had some type of a goal as a family. And
1: what are you guys striving towards right now? What is something that you can share with us? Give us an example.
0: So I can think of, I mean, even when I was working full-time, I was in restaurant management working 60 plus hours a week with crazy schedules. Our biggest family goal then was mommy freedom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To bring me home. Um, And. Home to me looks different than home to other people. I've never really been a stay-at-home mom. I would love to try that out and see what it's like. But honestly, I think it's even harder to be a stay-at-home mom than to be a working mom. I'm just putting that out there because I've done. I've, I, I was great. I, I like agree. Moms. <laughs> I have so much respect for stay-at-home moms. I don't know how they do it. Honestly, <laughs> a lot. It's a lot of work, and and so that was our biggest goal. It was how do we get me out of that full-time crazy. And, Job and the environment wasn't healthy for me. Mm -hmm. I was kind of it. it, It's not. It's kind of a toxic environment. The restaurant. It's kind of like construction workers. You get into these toxic environments. But but the but that became a drive. And actually, one day I remember I because my parents were. It was so nice living by my parents. They were such a blessing because they always watched our kids. We never had them in daycare. They were. It was really grandpa and grandma. Was that
1: when you were in Minnesota? Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. Uh Because now we have no family around. So I. Right. It's it's harder, isn't it? I know. So yeah. Much yeah. But I got Ethan, my oldest, ready. Because I think I only had him. Did I have two? I think it was him and Mike at the time. And I got them ready to go to grandma and grandpa's. And Ethan says, I don't want to go to grandma's and grandpa's. I want you home with me. And that's mm-hmm. what happens when you bring them in on your goals. They start seeing it as. A reality. They start seeing it as such a goal and for them because they wanted that too. And so when I came home, it was a victory for all of us. And I didn't come home just, I mean, obviously I've done all the different roles, but it was a big full-time commitment of a crazy schedule. And that's what we were getting me out of. And so, and now I feel like our mission as a family is to reunite as a family. And with our move from Minnesota to Colorado, we've been able to really simplify our lives. I've never really simplified my schedule until I (laughs) made that decision. I mean, there's a lot of stories I could go into on that, but I now only, and I I say only because it's still a lot, I homeschool the boys full-time and I run my ministry business. And so I used to do a lot more because I felt like I had to. I always was like, oh, we're struggling. I'll go get another job. Oh right. And I forgot that I'm not in control and I need to trust God for that. You know. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, and you talk about let's talk about your ministry and your your red hot mindset formula. How are you bringing people into your community? What are ways that they can work with you?
0: Yeah. So, red hot mindset Kind of formulated. Obviously, I have red hair, <laughs> so the red hot came from that. We actually had a little red hot club in college. With I had two girlfriends that had red hair because I always like, oh, blondes have more fun. Oh, brunettes have more fun, and the redheads got forgotten about. So that's kind of how it came about. But red hot just always stuck with me. But with the mindset, red hot to me means I think of the fire of refinement and stepping into a fire going through our struggles, being willing to be vulnerable, uh, being willing to be changed. So stepping in there and letting God mold us and shape us. struggle. If we get through it and we come out the other side stronger, we can crush our goals. We can have more confidence in God leading us and guiding us to do that. And that's what Red Hot Mindset means. I do have uh, online community that we just, we, it's a support because I feel like one thing about going after something is that you can't do it alone. When I love talking about how your vision needs to be so big that you can't do it by yourself. And it's because we're meant to serve others. I think of the verse that says you're called to freedom, but you're free. Don't use your freedom to serve yourself. Use your freedom to serve others. And mm-hmm. so right now I feel like I'm free because I've simplified my life so much. And I've freed my mindset. Like I've freed control of my life. I've freed a lot of things. So I feel like I now have the time to be able to invest and to, to help serve others in that capacity. So we, we have a community online. It's accountability, encouragement, support as you work towards something, because that is so, so important. Who you surround yourself with is so so important. And that's something that I like to, I like to share. I do some coaching on the side. And then, I mean, I like to do it through the written word. So just my writing has always been a passion of mine. Mm-hmm. And I always knew someday I would be an author, but I always thought, were, oh.
1: you, were you already an author before you came to the Lemonade Legend series?
0: Yes. I had written my first book. It, it launched actually last fall. So okay, what's, really what's that me. called? It's called Mind Over Marathon, Overcoming Mental okay. Barriers in the Race of Life. And it's really about taking a dream from the beginning to the end. So I, it's called Mind Over Marathon because I'm a, I love running. So I'm a right. running enthusiast, everything. I have lots of running analogies. And honestly, even my depression, I call it running for my life because running has started as like a hate to a control to a peace to crushing goals. And so it's, it's evolved in my life. Yeah. yeah. So. so
1: let's, let's talk about that for a minute, because I, I think I shared with you when I went, when my marriage ended, I needed something. And so I gave myself a goal of running the LA marathon mm-hmm. and I did it. And we talked about briefly how few people have actually run a marathon and yet there's so many people, it runs through their head at one point. I should do that. That's a good goal. You know, (laughs) what, what does that, in your opinion, what did that mental toughness and that stamina provide for your life in achieving that? Cause you, you achieved qualification for the Boston marathon. (laughs) What, what did that do for you? And what could that do for others?
0: So one of the reasons I love goals and running is because it, kind of helps me see how tough I can be. And mm-hmm. so I actually have used all the different success principles, mental training skills that I've learned over the years from when I started with that deep depression to qualify for Boston. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of been, what a big... is the qualification out of curiosity? Yeah. So the qualification you have, the it's a limited field of runners. So you have to qualify based on your age and gender. So the times are tougher. They're, the younger you are, they're obviously yeah. tougher. males and so as you age, your qualification, the time goes up a little bit. So sure, you get a little tougher, but you know our fitness lowers, so it's pretty tough. And then once you qualify, if you hit that qualifying time, so for me, my qualifying time was three hours and thirty-five minutes. Wow, mine was four forty-two, and I thought I was doing so awesome. <laughs> that is an awesome marathon, though. I think
1: finishing is awesome too. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And right. I, and don't, wouldn't you agree that truly, I, I would say the last probably eight miles for me was all my mind. It oh was gosh, my, my, body was pretty much
0: done. It was, it was all in my head making me go. Yeah. Well, we hit a wall and usually for runners, it's between miles 18 and 22. Those who mm-hmm. hit it at 22, I'm so mad at them. I don't understand right. how to last that long, <laughs> but yeah. I always say the last six miles is run with your heart. And it really is like, you can push yourself to 20, but you really have to do something to get that last six. And it really does come down to the mental. And I think that's what I love about running. It's so mental. Like, I mean, just the idea of running 26.2 miles is kind of crazy. And so you can get in your head. You really can. And you can tell yourself all these doubts and how you're feeling and, oh, my body's achy. Oh, I'm not going to make it. And all these things. And somewhere in there, you have to draw out that mental toughness in order to get through. And you have to realize that you really can dig deeper and you do have more inside you to give than you really think. And that's really how I've used running because with running, when I achieve goals in running, it helps me to realize that I can do more in other areas of my life. And the more disciplined I am in my running, the more disciplined I am in all areas and mm-hmm. so it's really cool to see how they are so similar
1: and oh, how you yeah. can really use,
0: and they, you don't even have to use running, whatever your passion is, you know, you can really use that to fuel other areas of your life.
1: Mm-hmm. How have you, cause I, you shared with me that your boys are competitive gymnasts and, and definitely athletes. Is that something, do you think your model just showed them have that? that physical outlet and, and did they choose that or did you just expose them to a lot of
0: different things? How did that happen? I think my model helped them decide they wanted to be a goal achiever, you know, Uh and it's interesting how it happened. My oldest was 18 months and needed something to do. And he was a climber climbed everything except his crib. And anyway, so I mean, he just needed something. So we did a mommy and me class at gymnastics and he loved it and he kept doing it and out, he was good at it. My husband was hoping it would make him a good wrestler, but we realized that wasn't where he was going <laughs> and that it just kind of formed that way. But what I've learned is as a parent, it's important for us to instill these skills into them because they are young. They don't know how to use any of these skills yet. And I just look back going, wow, what? would it have been like if I would have understood these mental training principles when I was young because I was a basketball player and I loved basketball, but I always doubted myself. I never, I worked hard. I worked harder than a lot of them, but I still like, it was almost self-sabotaging because I kind of just, oh, I'm just not as good as that person or whatever. We do that. And I think as we, if we teach our kids how to have a strong mental game, which comes into all different forms, it starts with having a vision. And, you know, the thing about our vision is it can change. (laughs) Our plans don't ever work out the exact same way that we plan it. And some, some planners have a hard time with that because they're like, nope, this is what I have on paper. This is what's going to happen, but it's not going to ever formulate that way. That's why we adjust. And we have to be okay with adjusting because we formulate the plans in our minds, but God is the one that puts it to work and it's his path that's gonna happen. And his ways are way better than our ways. We don't understand them completely. So, yeah, and I, it's on it, honestly, when I realized that my oldest and my oldest is kind of a type A achiever, so he does have that drive naturally. But when I saw him practicing these things, he would watch uh, kids who were better than he was on like YouTube and Mm -hmm. formulate these relationships, but just watch them a a level ahead and, and just see how they were like, they're almost perfect. And he's watching it. And that visualization of what he could do actually, I think has helped him thrive in the sport because he's always looking to grow and he knows that right now he is not the best, but he just needs to be consistent over time.
1: Well, he has so many examples. If, if one person can do it, then why couldn't he, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, that's a, that's a great way for us to wrap up. I can't believe we're almost out of time. We actually are out of time, but we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit more because I love you and we need to, (laughs) Um, because you said something, you talked about growth and I, I come from a recruiting background for 25 years and I witnessed countless people, myself included, that I think most people accidentally land in what they're doing. They don't necessarily purposely choose it and they never have the blessing. They don't, they don't take the blessing to actually reinvent themselves again and discover, as you said, what God truly meant them to do with their gifts. And what would you say to those people out there that, you know, my faith is the biggest part of my life as well. It's the reason that I do what I do. It's all god driven it's what he's been preparing me for my whole life what would you say to those people that maybe they're stuck in a job they're not really loving maybe they they've stopped learning maybe they've been faced by a layoff you know this crazy covid crisis so many people are thinking about what's next what's what's the next normal right what would you say to those people i think the
0: biggest thing is be willing to wait. We're really in this culture that we're in. It's a microwave mentality. We're always rushing to the next thing. And God isn't a God of rush. He's Mm -hmm. a God of patience and of waiting and it's hard. Okay. I've been in waiting so many times. I can tell you our move was not what we had planned. Honestly, we would have loved to move a long, long time ago. We took a leap. It was really fast. Eight weeks of us saying we should move to moving. That was really fast. That was the fastest, but it's been 15 years of longing for it, you know? And, and then when we got here, my husband lost his job. And so we are in waiting right now. And so I understand, and I can empathize with anyone who is in that waiting stage of, are we going to be okay tomorrow? And I've been there before. And what I know is that God is good. And I do know that he always provides. He doesn't say he's going to give you what you want, but he does say he's always going to provide for your needs, Mm -hmm. but we need to be okay with waiting and, and, and letting him guide us in what it is. And honestly, when i took my dreams off the shelf that I put up on the shelf in sacrifice for motherhood is what I always call it because I didn't realize you could do both. (laughs) That's the mistake I made is it's okay. If you're in a, in a, my dreams were different when they Mm -hmm. came down and it was okay. they were still my giftings. And if you're in a, a job you hate, my encouragement for you is to do your best there and to do it for the glory of God, but pray for, pray for where you want. He wants you like seek him because Mm -hmm. I think it's all about, it's not really self-discovery. It's about God discovery. And the more you know him, the more you're going to understand his plans for you. I love that.
1: Perfect. Perfect way to end our conversation. Gabe, thank you so much. This has been so, so lovely to speak with you and tell us, share with our audience where they can find you and, and work with you if, if that resonates with them.
0: Absolutely. So my website is www.redhotmindset.com. So easiest to find a place to find love, me. Love that. Love yeah. that. So cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm on Facebook. I'm mostly on Instagram, Facebook at Red Hot Mindset. So easy okay. people.
1: <laughs> okay, super. And Gabe and I obviously have our Lemonade Legend book coming out. Do yeah. we? Do we have a title yet? I can't recall if they've landed on one yet. We're
0: not quite there yet. We have one, but she's just tweaking it. So we're almost there.
1: We're having so much fun, friends. Be sure that you tune in when that releases and also look for Gabe's book as well, Marathon Mindset. Is that it? Mind Over Marathon. Mind Over Marathon. That's right. Okay, awesome. Well, we have had so much fun, Gabe. I so appreciate your time and sharing your story with our listeners to my amazing Dream Big Nation viewers and and listeners out there. I'm so blessed to be a part of your day. I hope that our stories are touching your lives in ways that will help you find your true gifts and step into the life that God meant for you to live. As always, bless you in this amazing life journey, and I can't wait to see you soon.
0: Hey, Dream Big Nation community! We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.